0: Oh, hey everybody, Jim Sammons here, The Kayak Fishing Show, live as always, brought to you by Ballast Point Brewing Company. It's very hot out here today. I'm very thirsty, going to have my all time favorite. We'll get it out of the glare. Grapefruit Sculpin IPA. Cheers to y'all. Happy Friday. Hope everybody's doing good. Um, so uh, my guest today so far hasn't shown up. So <laughs> uh, so we'll just chat for a little bit and wait till he actually shows up in the in the room there. Um, so. Uh, Last week, didn't do a show, did a nice little uh, staycation here with my wife. Um, If you've come to San Diego, we went to the Bahia Hotel for a couple of days. It was very cool, right down on the bay, on uh, Mission Bay, South Mission Beach. So uh, highly recommend it if you have a chance uh, or you're coming to San Diego. It was was a cool place to stay. Kind of old school, but uh, we had a great time. Um, I did get out fishing this week, if you've seen some of my pictures of fish um or at least cut up fish uh is actually kind of funny i went out with uh my buddy matt and raw rob lang who's a former uh professional hockey player and went on rob's boat and because the tuna fishing has been pretty good uh we got out to the spot and it was just filthy dirty water it was really weird um the fish were very line shy, even in dirty water. So the guys were dropping down to 15 pound test and getting broken off. Uh, I was fishing 20 pound Seaguar Gold Label and I was able to land my fish. Um, The problem was we just weren't getting a whole lot of bites. So um, the, uh, not the next day, but the day after, Rob Lang went out on the boat by himself and sent me this picture. 10 yellowfin tuna, solo. Caught 10 more that he released. Kept 10, released another 10. We landed one fish between the three of us. And this was just two days later. So you can just see how how things can kind of change. Uh, the key was having a lot of live bait and um, chumming and trying to get those fish. It was drift fishing, uh, no kelp patties, anything like that. And um, the fish were just up and down really quickly. Obviously he sent me this message said he left the bait barge at 715 and had his limit by nine. So that shows you how close these fish were. So uh, congrats to him. And uh, hopefully we'll get our boat back uh, because my trailer is still down and we'll be able to get out and chase some tuna um, next week. Uh, I wouldn't go out this weekend anyway. You know, it's a, it's a busy holiday weekend and I'm certainly not into fishing holiday weekends at all. Um, Sean, how you doing, man? Thanks for joining us. Serge, how's things in Ottawa? And my kota great day for all. Hi, Jim. <laughs> How you doing, man? Thanks for joining us here. So, yeah, uh, like I said, if you're going out there, oh, we were also, I mean, I, I don't think I've ever fished um, number one hooks. I mean, I tend to fish two-aught, three-aught, four-aught, and then I'm, you know, in a kayak, I'm always fishing like big mackerel. So, I might fish a seven-aught hook uh, back of the, the fish's neck. So, yeah. Um, You know, tiny hooks, light line was the key to getting bit. Uh, But like I said, uh, he slayed them. We went out on Tuesday, so he went out, I guess that was just yesterday, um, and just slayed them. But there was also, it's a gong show out there. There's so many boats. Um, There's been altercations with boats, you know, because these guys are drift fishing. And then you get somebody comes trolling through the whole pack or ripping through Uh, we saw a guy do donuts around another boat and throw a beer bottle at him. It was absolutely ridiculous. So if you're going out there, remember you're going out to have fun. I mean, come on. Do you really want to go out there and be stressed like that? Not me. I mean, I won't go out on the holiday weekend anyway, but like I said, it just, just seemed really crazy. Um, I think you guys may have seen if you looked at the page earlier today, uh, cyber fishing is doing a giveaway. Uh, so, you know, you do have a chance to, uh, win a cyber fishing, uh, rod sensor, but I remember once again, and I, you know, I post this up every time just cause it, it they are giving you a deal. If you use the code cyber um, on their website, if you want to buy one, you can get 15% off, it is a super cool item. And I've really, really enjoyed having that. Um, the other thing that I wanted to show you is actually. I'm a watch guy. I always wear a watch. Um, and I've been wearing these watches for, I think this one's about six years old. This is the, um, hook and gaff. This is their moon phase watch. And I mean, this thing, like I said, it's, it's six years old or better and it still looks like new and it still works like new. It's in great shape. Uh, I wanted one that was a little dressier for sometimes. So I got a black one. Um, and now the, one of the cool things is is they are, um, now they're no longer selling, uh, through, uh, retail shops. They are only selling direct, which means now you can actually buy their watches at wholesale price. So where, uh, you know, I was getting these watches for like $800 before now they're 500. Uh, they've got this one and I, and I saw this one and it's a limited edition and I just had to have it. Um, you know, it's really hard to see in here cause kind of the glare on it, yeah, it doesn't show up well at all, but, uh, again, it's a beautiful watch and this one is called the King tide. And so it has the, uh, the tide phases on the watch and it's absolutely beautiful. They're super light titanium cases. And just like I said, the one I've had for six years still looks new. So like I said, I'm a watch guy. I've got a bunch of watches. I love wearing watches. Um, it's my, my one thing of jewelry besides my, my turtle and you know my safety strap. So uh, if you're interested in um, a, a really good quality watch, um, take a look at them. Again, that's Hook and Gaff Watch Company. Um, so there's this guy who said he was gonna be, show up for our, uh, our show uh, 15 minutes before the show started. And I can see him now just dropped into the waiting room to join the show. <laughs> That's all right, he's a hardworking guy. I knew he's got his own business. And um, so he, we'll, we'll, we'll let him use the excuse that he probably was, was stuck at work. So um, if you guys have been following kayak fishing uh, a lot and you like watching the videos, I'm gonna bring up uh, a real quick video. You you've may have seen it, you've probably seen it already because I know it's been viewed a ton of times. But this is my buddy, Josh Dolan on just a big alligator gar. And when you catch one of these fish, they're a handful. So I'm gonna bring that up on the screen. Boom, Well, let me change this so it doesn't, uh, let's do that, there we go. So um, there he is pulling on this thing and I'm gonna start this, it's just a real short video. Like I said, you may have seen it before, but it's super, super cool. I mean, that's a big animal slamming its head into the side of your kayak. Um, and like I said, I think for me, when I've landed them, and I mean, I've only gone to done it once, but we landed about five of them, I think. And my biggest was 140 pounds. But the uh, the thing about them is, like I said, I, I never thought that the fight was all that much. Um, at least none of the ones I caught. Uh, the issue is dealing with them next to the boat because they will do that right next to the boat. They will uh, headbutt you, and man, they got a mouthful of teeth. So with no further ado, I'm going to bring up my buddy, Josh Dolan. Have rods, will travel. Josh? Jim. What's your excuse?
1: Man, look, if you know anything about me, you know I'm never on time. (laughs) All my friends will tell you that. I'm always late. I apologize. Traffic work, you know the deal. But anyway. How are you now? Uh, Good, good. It's Friday, Uh, work week's over with time to party. So we're good to go. No complaints.
0: Yeah, very cool. So like I said, people, if if anybody who's followed Josh at all, he's uh, what I've seen, I mean, he's hardcore. I mean, the guy will drive for hours on end to get to a fishing destination, sleep in a parking lot, uh, (laughs) to be on the water early, go fish in freezing conditions. Um, I mean, hardcore. Yeah, You are the epitome of hardcore, in my opinion.
1: I appreciate that. It means a lot coming from a guy like you. Nah. But uh, yeah, man, it's just uh, you got to make sacrifices to do what you love to do. And uh, I can't afford hotel rooms everywhere I go. Um, I can't afford to fish when the weather's nice. I got to fish when I can. So that usually means fishing when the weather sucks and sleeping in your truck when you have to and all that good stuff. So just part of it, man. Do you,
0: do you, how do you sleep in a truck? I mean, you're, a, you're, a, you're a kind of a, a, a large guy.
1: Yeah. Um, luckily I fit into the vehicle. Okay. And <laughs> the fact that I am a large guy helps me with that extra padding. I don't have to worry <laughs> about go. it. Too much. It's just, it's, it never gets any easier and it's never comfortable and it's never fun. But I mean, I don't know. I've had guys telling me, man, why don't you just get a tent? Why don't you do this, do that? It's just, if you set up a tent, then you got to take a tent down. It takes too much time. So uh, Walmart parking lots are my home away from home. No matter where you go, you can always count on being a Walmart somewhere. And usually they won't kick you out. So it's, it's not too bad.
0: So where do you stand on this whole um, Chick-fil-A versus Popeye's chicken sandwich
1: thing? Um, Chick-fil-A all day. You don't, <laughs> you, don't, you don't go to Chick-fil-A for the food necessarily. It's, it's the kind of people that make you feel like you belong. But it's 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 just uh, you know right? It's it just has everything to do with customer service in a world where people are mean to each other it feels good to to go to an establishment where people might care just a little bit so that's
0: interesting I've, I've, I've honestly I've never been to a Popeyes and I've never been to a chick-fil-a
1: right
0: so I, my, my argument there was like people were like arguing over these stupid sandwiches and I'm like you know what I don't have to go to those places you know why I have Mexican food.
1: Dude, I <laughs> I would be 200 pounds heavier than I am now if I ate Mexican food as much as I want to. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I love Mexican food, but the only gripe I have with Chick Fil A, man, is they're not open on Sundays. And anybody watching this has had that same feeling where Sunday rolls around and you get hungry and you're like, man, I could go for Chick Fil A, and too bad, so sad, they're not open. So <laughs> you know, whatever. So you are you are in Virginia. Yes.
0: Um, you're uh, also friends with our buddy Wes Siegler, Siegler Reels. Yes, I am. And yep. uh, you know we have some of the same uh, sponsors, Jackson Kayak and Yak Attack. Yep. Um, you, you're uh, you but your thing is really kind of going after. I mean, from what I've seen, and we did have a chance to fish together for a few days. Right. Um. Unfortunately, we didn't have good conditions. But yeah. uh, which is typical for whenever I'm going on a shoot anywhere. Right. But you've got a lot of really big uh, catfish. But I mean, it's because I mean, we'll get to the alligator gar thing in a little bit. But right. kind of big catfish is kind of one of your things, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Um, the cool thing about living in Virginia and living where I live in Virginia, which is Richmond. Um, we are central to tons of, of vastly different fisheries, but all um, exceptional fisheries. But the top one that Virginia is primarily known for um, worldwide, I would guess you'd say, would be uh, the blue cat fishery and just the cat fishing scene in general. Um, The James River pumps out upper 90s fish, mid 90s fish regularly, um, and there have been triple digits caught on the James. But uh, Virginia is home to the world record blue cat at 143 pounds. That was caught out of uh, Bugs Island Reservoir. Um, which is on the Virginia, North Carolina border. But yeah, man, I just, uh, I was fortunate like many of the fishermen uh, that live around here, we were brought up in an area that's very rich um, and in different fishing opportunities and just catfishing just happens to be one that's right at the top. So.
0: Yeah. um, And what you were telling me recently, you've kind of discovered a new fishery there that seems to be growing uh, with uh, was it snakehead?
1: Yeah, so the northern snakehead, uh, they're they're a species that has a lot of controversy around them, which some, if not most, is justified. Uh, they showed up somewhere around ten or fifteen years ago um, in that DC, Maryland, Northern Virginia water, and they've just continued to spread and primarily spread south, just because we're warmer the more South you go, obviously. But man, it's just one of those things where, um, the mainstream media, if you want to call it that, but, um, the mainstream media and, and fishermen in general didn't understand the impact. And it, it just like anything that's new and kind of, um, uh, unsure, everybody freaked out right away. Everybody, you know, decided that these fish needed to be eradicated and they well, still they
0: probably thought it was going to be another Asian carp kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Or, I mean, um, as much as the blue cat fishery is great here, it's kind of the same problem. And that's when you come to catfishermen, that's kind of a touchy subject because they love the catfish and I get it, but you can't go into downtown Richmond and put any sort of piece of bait on the bottom longer than maybe five minutes without some sort of catfish. I know that wasn't the case when you came, That doesn't count, but we just have so many catfish. And when you're talking about an 80 pound blue cat, there's nothing that can really uh, harm her. So once they get over, you know, five or 10 pounds, nothing eats them anymore. So the river's just filled with, with tons and tons of catfish. And, you know, this kind of played into the snakehead thing. They were afraid they were going to take over. And, um, they were this, you know, Frankenstein fish that can walk on water and, or, you know, walk on land and and live outside of water and just spread rapidly. And, um, that is, there's uh, some truth to all of that in certain degrees. And, um, they can be detrimental to certain ecosystems, I'm sure. But overall, um, Virginia Department of Game and Inland Fisheries have been doing a study on these things for years now. And the majority of which have shown no real ill effects of those fish, um, Obviously, largemouth bass is the big game fish anywhere, Um, and that was kind of uh, the talking point on it, is they're going to affect the bass fishery in a negative way. They're going to eat bass fry. You know, they're going to be detrimental to the bass fishery. Well, come to find out, the opposite is actually happening. So, snakehead spawn uh, a few times a year. They have fry balls. They are an aggressive fish, but they're not very good at protecting their fry, in a sense. So you can go along the bank and see, you know, one pounders on up blasting these bait balls of snakehead and and feeding on them. So kind of the the adverse reaction is really happening where instead of the snakehead are eating all the bass, the bass just have another um, form of that's food. That's, so, yeah. that's
0: really interesting. Let's say a couple of people who are watching. Uh, Reginald, how are you doing? Thanks for joining us all the time. Dave, you as well. Uh, Watching from Ottawa, packing up for some fishing up in Lanark Highlands. I'm not sure where Lanark Highlands is. Um, I've probably been there, but I can't even think where it is. Um, Eric, how you doing, man? Dave Thompson, dinosaur. I assume you're talking about his big old alligator gar we showed a bit ago. Uh, (laughs) Jared watching while uh, hurricane prepping. (laughs) Yeah, uh, and, and another one, Aaron from Renfrew, uh, Ontario. So we got a lot of Canadian viewers here. Right on, Larry. How you doing, man? And Dave says snakehead are delicious. I can't they, say I've ever eaten
1: one. They, I haven't either. I, I have my my snakehead knowledge is very. Um, I wouldn't say knowledge. I'd say experience. My snakehead experience is very. Uh, surface like i'm just now getting into it my friends are way more experienced than i am i've had a good uh, spring and summer of targeting them but um but yeah they are some of the best freshwater fish you can possibly eat uh, right. nice flaky white meat yeah yeah they're good stuff man a lot of people think bowfin and snakehead should be more or less the same thing and they're not snakehead are much much better to eat so it's two different parts of the world and um but they're, they're, the, the main
0: thing is they're, they're a fun fight. They're aggressive. Oh, yeah. they, they hit top water. Yeah. Um, you know, they'll jump out of the water and they're, they're fun.
1: Yeah. Uh, everybody loves top water. That's always a plus. Uh, our big thing thrown around here are um, tackle frogs. So whether it be the sprinkler, Honker, Whacker, they got all those names. But I'm um, moving uh, – Surface frog, something you can throw through lilies and bring it over to the top of hydrilla, stuff like that. Um, my favorite part about all of it is just the wake you get from these fish chasing bait in shallow water. It's like somebody fired a torpedo and it's coming right at you, and the anticipation anticipation is just through the roof on it. So it it makes for some uh, for some exciting fishing. So.
0: Very stuff.
1: cool. I saw, I was looking at your uh,
0: Facebook page a little bit. Weren't you just down in uh, Florida?
1: I was. So I got in right under the gun before the hurricane tries to wipe them off the map, I guess. I haven't been <laughs> following it too much, but I don't think it's getting any better. Uh, but yeah, we, we, um, we're we fresh off a trip to Florida. Uh, we had my buddy Brian Thornton and I um, had been playing it for roughly a year. Um, he's actually the guy responsible for that snakehead video and that, I mean, the the alligator guard video and that catch. Um, I, I link up with him every year when I go down to Texas, and he and I just have a good friendship. And we decided this year we weren't going to get muddy and sit out in the Texas sun all week. We were going to go somewhere nice. So we made a trip down to Pensacola, Florida uh, with our significant others, and we spent a week there. Um, the original goal was tarpon, but when we planned it, we kinda planned it a little too late. So we just missed those guys. And uh the water is super warm, so we didn't get any kings or anything. But we got big black drum and they're always fun to a certain extent, but they're slimy and they smell bad, and <laughs> it's just it's just one of those you huge know, fish. I, I, you know what though? I'll I'll take a
0: black drum all day. I mean, yeah, I, I don't think they get the respect. That, I mean, people call them the big ugly. I think they're a big badass fish, you know.
1: It was fun. Uh I got to give props to to Lewis Anderson. Um, He's a fellow Yak Attack guy. We got down there and we kind of realized we weren't going to be able to do what we wanted to do. So we hooked up with Lewis and uh, he put us on this big black drum. And we're literally, you're fishing right next to heavy cover, like pylons and stuff. And you basically, I have those Siegler LGs. You have them locked down, and once you get one on, you just start cranking. And, and I mean, you're putting full drag pressure, and it's just a tug of war—no, no drag pulling or anything like that. You either get them and get the better of them right away, or you're gonna get broken off. So it, it was—it uh, was like a cage match, man. It, it was fun. It was a very uh, hard-nosed fight right away. Were you—you
0: uh, you, uh, bait fishing or lure fishing?
1: We we're bait fishing. Yeah. So we, we took the easy way out, but uh, we, we drop baits down and it's just kind of a weird thing, man. It's same type of deal. Like if your sheep's head fishing, just drop a bait straight down, wait for one to show up. And uh, they usually would right about the time you least expect it. I had a few break me off on pylons and stuff when I wasn't looking. So it, uh, it, it's, well, it's I, fun stuff.
0: You know, Jameson Redding, um, yeah. you know, he fishes a lot with those uh, cranky crabs. Yeah. And it, it, those, those things definitely work for the sheep's head and they work for the drum. I mean, they just, they, they're just a, sometimes almost a not fair lure. Yeah. They, they, they work so well. So yeah. If yeah. Get
1: I've been wanting to get my hands on some, uh, we have the Chesapeake Bay bridge tunnel here, which has, I would say some of the biggest sheep's head in the world. And, uh, I would like to use those and get out and, and give them a try on those sheepies out there, but too much fishing, not enough time. yeah
0: uh gene wilson hi jim and josh might have to watch later on the river with iffy reception excited to hear chat thanks for joining us gene she's like the the big kayak fishing cheerleader
1: i tell you what uh if she catches another big bass you might just need to kick me off of here and just get her on (laughs) dude i've not seen somebody catch so many tanks that's crazy
0: yeah she's uh i've seen some of the pictures of what she's been doing and uh, we've i've never met gene but uh, everybody uh, speaks very very highly of her um, oh, yeah. uh, so sure. it's very cool so um i was like i was gonna add something in my head i was gonna ask you and then that question popped up um the uh the alligator gar thing um right. what what prompted you to want to go down there because i think i had never really thought much about doing alligator gar until i'd seen you had done it Right. Um, and it's, it's a pretty impressive fish.
1: Yeah. I all, everything I do, um, you know, I'm, I'm relatively young compared to my peers. Um, but everything I do kind of spans back to my last few years of high school, which was about 10 years ago now. So that is right about the time where Jeremy Wade river monsters, all that is, is that
0: when Liz Siegler was your gym teacher.
1: Uh, no, it's a little farther, but as you can see, she did a great job, but uh, <laughs> dude, uh, we need to tell that story before we get off of here, but, uh, but no, nah, man, um, it was just one of those deals where I was getting, I, I was heavy into playing sports, uh, when I was in high school. And as I was transitioning out, I always had the love for fishing and, and it, it kind of got, um, motivated by the whole river monsters thing as, as kind of cliche as that sounds the most fishermen, I, I look up to Jeremy Wade and I know a lot of his stuff was, uh, theatrics for television to get the non fishing viewer in there. But, um, I've read a lot of his books and, and that's kind of where the inspiration to chase the alligator gar came from seeing that stuff and just having that desire to chase the biggest fish, uh, or one of the biggest fish we have in North America. So, um, my original trip to Texas was in 2014. Um, it was pre crazy alligator gar video and huge fish. It was, uh, where I first met our friend Bubba Bedre. Um, I ended up taking a 95 Ford Ranger driving it 21 hours straight from Richmond, Virginia to East Texas, uh, fishing solo on the water for a week. I landed a six footer on my last day it was crazy camping out, sleeping in my truck a lot. I mean, it, it was the hardcore thing. Like, that's what kind of got me started doing all this stuff. And then on the way back from Texas, my transmission blows up in Talladega, Alabama at like 12 a.m. So it's it's just – it the Texas thing, man, I, I seem to find this um, desire everywhere I go to just want to be there longer. And Texas, especially East Texas, has really hit me that way. It's just – for somewhere that has so many people in the state of Texas and everything, it's such a wild place once you actually get onto the water. I mean, you're right. talking javelinas and wild pigs and cro- or alligators and this huge alligator gar and all that stuff. It's just um, – it's a miserable place, and it's probably one of the most miserable places in the country to be in August, but it's just uh, – Hot it, it, and humid. And muddy, and the bait makes you gag because it smell. It's fish out in the <laughs> sun. It's just, man. But it just speaks to something deep down. To what, I, I just, um, I need that adventure in my life. And that was just the, the, the first big thing I did outside of Virginia. So, just kind of where it came from, I guess. Well, for
0: anybody who um, maybe didn't uh, see it at the beginning, I'll I'll drop this thing in here one more time. Hit a couple buttons there. Cause uh, apparently I, so let's uh here's this video one more time. And this is a big old alligator gar. And you can see why they're called that man. They sure look like one when they got that mouth open like that.
1: Oh yeah. And, and the thing that gets everybody about this video, which they can't believe is the fact that I didn't flinch. And what they don't know is that was about the fifth time that thing had jumped by that points and alligator gar, Like you said, they don't fight super well initially, but once they start getting that top of the water column, they know something's up. They're not used to that. So once they get up and their nose breaks the surface, they know things are not going well and they do that. And it's if your appendages are anywhere close to that, you're in trouble. So,
0: yeah, I mean, their head is like a giant brick. Yeah. I mean, it is so freaking hard. Yeah, I mean, just that where you see them just wagging that head from side to side. It, when that hits the side of the kayak or – because I had one do exactly the same thing to me. <laughs> yeah. And, um, I mean, when they hit the kayak, if that was to hit you and those teeth are out there, man, it, it can oh, yeah. certainly, certainly do some damage.
1: It's like having, you know, a couple of wood saws just thrown in your direction at any given <laughs> time. And the thing about East Texas, which your viewers may or may not know, when you're out there on the river, you are a solid – hour at least from any sort of medical attention that's going to help you if you get ripped open by that thing so it's it's kind of one of those deals where you got to be able to accept anything that might happen when you're chasing something like that
0: yeah hey we got a a hello from Bubba Bedry our good buddy if anybody is interested in getting down and catching these fish whether it's from a kayak or a boat Bubba Bedry is the man I mean uh, I'm friends with him he's Pete posts almost daily another monster he's got.
1: Yeah. Bubba is the dude. If you're going to Texas and you want to chase these things and you're not a psychopath like me, you want to get with somebody that knows how to catch them. Bubba's the dude. Absolutely. Hands down. The whole deal about that 2014 trip. I took Bubba about three days into that trip this is three days with no bait. I got some bad information right away. I thought bait was super easy to catch. It was not. So I went three days down the river with no bait and no ability to catch any fish. And Bubba at the time had this huge mega cab dodge and he pulled up right to the edge of the river, the river bank, which is about a 60 foot drop straight down. And he winched my kayaks up and out, got me some bait and then got me readjusted into an area where I would catch fish. So Bubba is solely responsible for helping me get that original fish back in 2014 that sparked the desire for me to come back every year. So, if you want big alligator gar, Bubba's the dude to go with. Yeah,
0: no for for sure. Like I said, I mean, if you follow him on uh, Facebook, and like I said just you'll just see every day he's posting more and more of these these huge, huge fish. Right. Um, and. He does it, uh, you know. It's all catch and release, and you know, try. And actually, what I've been impressed, he's also been showing quite a bit of not getting them on bait, and actually being able to get them on lures. Yeah, which is super impressive.
1: Especially if you've done it, you know how hard they are to catch when you're just chunking bait. Getting them on lures is just next level stuff. It's it's pretty crazy. So.
0: I think I think my hardest part, I like said I I.
1: Fighting them, I, I, you
0: know, I've caught a lot of big fish. Uh, they aren't a hard fight. They're a handful next to the boat. Yeah. You know, because that's when they go nuts. And you, and then just dealing with them, you know, if you are going to land them, um, you know, we discovered that the best way to do it was literally to then paddle them into shore. Yeah. And then you could land them on shore the same way we do it when I've done sturgeon fishing. Yeah. When you've caught a really big one. But... I think the hardest part, and you, you may agree or not, you have to be so freaking patient. Guys, uh, your line starts going out. <laughs> yeah. Just,
1: yeah, It's it's it can be incredibly aggravating. Um, luckily, I, I've, we have a long nose gar here, and you have to kind of do the same thing. You have to wait a long time. So I come from a background where I target gar here regularly. Um, so I was used to that part of it but what you don't account for is you're fishing and there's nothing you can do about it you're fishing a river that has so much garbage on the bottom as far right. as debris um tr- trees. Just whole yeah 100 year old trees have been washed in so you know i think every trip i've been down so far which is i think four different years i've went down now every single trip i've had at least one fish a, a decent size one go under a limb to where you have to, and this is kind of the part that most people can't comprehend. If they go under a limb, more chances than not, you have to cut your line, let that fish swim through, and then reattach your line, do a line to line knot once they're through that obstruction. So, when you're talking about a fish that at any moment, any little sound or anything could set that fish off running at a, a, a pace in which you can't keep up with because you're in a kayak, you could lose that fish altogether. So, It's one of those deals where the fish is going through a tree, you cut your line, you gotta do a quick overhand loop knot so your float and everything doesn't come off, and then you send that through and just kinda pray to the fish yeah, pray (laughs) to the fish gods that it's all gonna work out and it'll pop up somewhere and you just gotta go retie and make it happen. So it's there there are certain nuances about it that are very like make or break when it comes to landing big fish like that. Right.
0: I, I never had to do that. But I mean, I could certainly feel my line going to trees. And I remember I had one where it went under a tree and I managed to work him back under the tree. Yeah, Uh, I got very, very lucky. Um, But like I said, they are, they're such a handful. And, and, you know, I I always say, you know, I say this anywhere we go is if you're going someplace, you're not familiar with the fishery. Even if you're going to go for a week, hire a guide for at least the first day. Yeah, To kind of get you dialed in. And that's what you, what Bubba did for us, you know. It yeah. was such a learning process from, you know, him helping us land the first fish to my last fish, actually, like I said, towing it to shore and landing it myself. Right. So, yeah,
1: it was one of those things where I, I had been turned on to Bubba from the river monster stuff. So I followed what he was doing and I followed some of the other guides. And me being in Richmond, Virginia, which is a couple thousand miles from there I was able to on my own decipher where I needed to be what ba- his you know he puts out videos on rigs and how to catch them and I, I absorbed as much knowledge as I possibly could before I hit the road going down there and it it helped me get in the right area but I needed his help to just get over the edge into catching those fish so it definitely helps um, hiring a guide especially like if you don't have a lot of time and you're just in there, you know, you're trying to make something happen immediately, it's definitely the way to go. I take pride in, in trying to figure it out myself on most of the species I go for, but sometimes you can't help it, man. You just got to gotta get that extra help from people that know.
0: Yeah. And and even things like, uh, I mean, if, you, if you're, you know, dead set against uh, hiring a guy, definitely doing your research. Uh, yeah. talking to locals, you know, if you can talk to the local tackle shop, yeah. you know, they're going to give you uh, the best insight. And that, that's the true for any fishery, anything, anything. Absolutely. You. Um, Nikita said a pucker moment for sure. Yeah.
1: <laughs> when they yeah. do that, it definitely,
0: <laughs> it definitely makes you a pucker. Uh, Mark Randall uh, is watching on our YouTube channel. A uh, good name for it. Looks like an alligator. Looks like the fight is a large Hallie goes crazy out the surface yeah except like you said i mean this thing's got an open mouth full of teeth that yeah. are just gnarly <laughs> uh gene says that's the way i remove lures from
1: trees <laughs> with huge bass with giant <laughs> with giant 15 pound bass i guess <laughs> gets them hung. She gets them hung in the tree first, then they just swim along and eat them. That's, that's fine. <laughs>
0: Taps the flag. No,
1: yeah. No, man. Um, it, it is important to say, though, like fish like the alligator gar that are big and scary to most people, they're not necessarily cognitively aware. Like they don't know really what's happening. So it's not a fish that you need to worry about once you land it or once you get close. To that fish is trying to hurt you. It's just a reaction thing. Like you land it and it's thrashing, trying to get back in the water, and you just happen to be in its way. The, these fish, I, don't, I my personal experience with them, I don't think they're cognitively aware, so they don't really know what's happening. So it, it's one of those fish where, though they look big and scary and mean, they're not really big and scary and mean. They just they're they're kind of built for their environment. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I feel something they,
0: pulling on their face, and they're pulling against it.
1: Right, they get a bad rap, but um just from the mean part, they look mean, but a fish that size is 30, 40 years old plus, And, you know, th- they're really a national treasure. They're one of the last huge dinosaur type creatures other than the white surgeon, which is kind of dealing with the same type of problems. We need to be able to preserve those fish. That way they last long into the future.
0: Yeah. So, and that's why I, that the whole bow fishing for them, I mean, it just seems like such a waste.
1: Yeah, I, I we could spend this whole thing talking about my feelings about bow fishermen. I'm not, I'm not gonna <laughs> die. I'm not gonna die on my sword here today. But um, <laughs> when it when it comes to bow fishing, you just need to take into account what you are killing. You're killing a, a fish that is. Chances are, it's at least as old as you, if not twice as old as you. It's basically the age of your parents. And you know, if you if, if even you and your friends go out and shoot one seven footer a day or one seven footer a week, you know, it takes 40 years to get a fish that big. They're right. not, it's it's just simple mathematics. You're not going to be able to re- resupply that population. It's not like going out and catching panfish and, okay, I caught 50 sunfish and, oh, well, they're just going to respawn and, and they'll be back again next year. It's not the case. You are taking a dinosaur that has lived without human interaction chances are for like the last 40 years and you put an arrow in it for a picture which you could get if you just caught it and then you're doing whatever you harvest it you leave it on the bank you give it to your neighbors you put it in your garden whatever the excuse is but um you know bow fishing for carp and other species whatever i i, I can't i can't sway you one way or another but um bow fishing for alligator gar it really needs to be thought about when you take into account what you're actually doing. And, and even if you're not bow fishing for them, catching release, you, you really need to consider catch and release, especially for those big old fish. So. Right.
0: And the, the same thing is true with like billfish, you know, yeah. and what we always say is, you know, that fish is so much more valuable alive than it is dead. Sure. You know, for the economy and everything. And, Um, I know Bubba posted a picture just yesterday, I think it was. And, you know, there were several, you know, seven foot fish dead on a bank side by side. So, you know, that somebody came in there and killed these fish.
1: Yeah. And like I said, man, I could spend the rest of our time together talking about it, but they're a, a, if you need to put it in terms of a monetary value to make you care about it, they're bringing me from Virginia. I'm spending thousands of dollars to go catch them. They're bringing tourism from all over the globe to catch these fish. But Bubba and those guys are extremely lucky in the fact that they have one of the last major populations of big fish. That draws in people from Sweden, Japan, you know, South America, wherever, Europe. I mean, you're you're drawing anglers from all over the world to your backyard to capture something that they they don't exist. In the rest of the world, so you really need to take an account to what you have. I mean, I, like I said, I, I don't mean to preach about it, but I, I feel strongly about it. So no, I something, something
0: I, I agree about. with you, man. You know, and, and you know, as I mean, I, I I kill fish, I eat fish, I love fish, right. but you know, there's certain certain fish you, you need to take care of, and uh, yeah, you know, that seems to be one of them. Um, so hey, anyway, off the the topic, back to to lighter, more fun things. Sure. Uh, else you got going on in virginia as far as uh, what you've been fishing for i mean uh, do you get do you get out out for the stripers or
1: yeah uh the striper for me personally are more of a, a springtime thing so like when you came uh last year the year before whatever it was um we have a, a run of saltwater fish that come up into our freshwater rivers to spawn and striper are one of them and that's usually when i target them you get a lot of schooly sized fish but Uh, just (laughs) kind of to tie into what we're just talking about our striper fishery here is in kind of a a state of turmoil um in the chesapeake bay and kind of all up and down the east coast the fishing isn't as good as what it has been in years past and um so now i I think um the regulations going into next year are maybe like one fish per person per day or something like that it's it's i don't know the details because i'm not on the pulse of all that necessarily, but I know the striper fishing and the striper striper fishery here is uh, kind of in a, a very delicate state. So, you know, we're kind of on the same page um, with the alligator garden and stuff like that. Right. So, um, but a lot of it, you know, everybody says it's a recreational fisherman issue, but we have these menhaden fish oil boats that come into the bay right. and they're, they're, Out there just scooping up everything these striper eat. So how are you gonna sustain a fishery when they have nothing to eat? So you know, even if it comes to them stopping by in the Chesapeake Bay on their way up to Montauk or wherever, they're not gonna come here. There's no you know, the the basic thing with fish is you gotta find the food. And if you don't have the food, you don't have the fish. So but you have these Omega three and and Menhaden, these fish oil boats that come into the bay and, and vacuum up all of you know the bait fish you're not you're not gonna have big fish if you don't have bait fish so
0: right right and, and i you know we see that in a lot of different areas you know when right. they they sane up the sardines and um yeah. the sardinas down in mexico and all that and all of a sudden it's like we're we're, we're not seeing any big fish all you fishermen are taking the big fish no right you people are taking all the food for these fish
1: right so you that's uh, that's kind of the issue we have here as well but um it's, it's just crazy, man. There's always going to be an issue with something somewhere. So that's just what we're dealing with now. We should, uh, we should tell that, that uh, Siegler story before we get too deep into all this, I think. <laughs> so since, since we're on the subject of you coming to town and us fishing together. Uh, yeah, so, so. we uh, – yeah,
0: I came out there to do a shoot um, with uh, Josh and Captain Sweatpants and yeah. um, <laughs> that's another whole story. <laughs> um, and I'm not
1: getting into that. <laughs> but uh, so, uh,
0: we got to hang out with, with Wes, uh, Wes Siegler, you know, he's he's a very good friend of mine. And uh, like I said, you know, sponsors Josh. And um, so we stayed at his house um, and uh, we were sitting around I don't know if you're having drinks and dinner and, and whatnot. And so <laughs> what, fill the rest
1: it, it. Yeah. So it's important to note that Jim and I had fished for about two days prior to this uh, moment happening. I drove up to, to West Siegler's house in uh, the Siegler residence. And I think you guys had been out on the boat for the day or something. I showed up with all the kayaks and stuff later that evening. And when I pull in to the driveway, I see you, but I see Wes Siegler's wife or who I assumed was his wife at the time. And she just looks so familiar, but I could not put a finger on it. I, I just, you know, what are the odds? I know somebody, I don't, I that part of the state, I don't spend a lot of time. in, so there was chances of me knowing this person or next to none. So we're getting acquainted with everybody and everything and, and the night rolls on and, and uh, Liz, Wes's wife was uh, in the kitchen getting dinner ready for everybody. And we're just kind of around shooting the breeze and stuff. And then the name Siegler started running through my head. And then it just kind of clicked like a light bulb. But I think also Wes was talking about his time he spent in Richmond as well. They were residents of Richmond for a long time. So it's like, okay, they're residents of Richmond. I know this person somehow. Like I have to now. They spent time here. Richmond's a small place. I know this person. Well, come to find out. In in a rush, it all hit me at once. That Wes Siegler's wife, in the time they spent in Richmond, was my fifth grade, probably first through fifth grade, all of elementary school, my physical education teacher. <laughs> so, about this time, it hits me, and I go, "Oh my gosh!" And like I'm I'm telling everybody everything, and I I don't I think Liz just took it in a wrong way, but she just. Shouldn't take it well, so it, it was just. Oh, she it was it great, but she I think what it she it, it aged her very quickly. Yeah, which I didn't I didn't mean to do, but it it was just really funny. Right, right. It, Wait a minute, like, were, were you Mrs. Sigler at something elementary school? Oh my god, and it, she just like oh my god, like <laughs> like reverse deer in the headlights. Like I said it, and she just. Did not move, and you could tell she was like, Oh my god, you know, you're dead to rights, you can't do anything about it now. So,
0: oh, it was my just, god. it was everybody, a everybody
1: cool... died laughing. It was, oh man, it was hilarious. But, uh, no, I love, <laughs> I love those guys, uh, Liz and Wes. It's just how the universe brings everybody together. It, Richmond's kind of a small town, so it's not that huge of a surprise, but just the fact that. He got it from the world of cycling and being a professional cyclist into making fishing reels and me going from li- some little snot nosed kid in fifth grade, not playing dodgeball like I was supposed to be to becoming a fisherman. And it's just the world's coming back together. It's, it's super cool. And I'm really proud to represent those guys and just have that extra little tie in with them. It's, it's, it's pretty neat. So yeah, yeah. It's and good they, stuff.
0: Like you said, they, they are, they're great people. And, um, you know, and again, one of those made in America products that, yep. uh, that we love. And I mean, the guy works his tail off. We're very proud of him, uh, winning best fly reel at ICAST this
1: year and last oh, yeah. year, two years running. Yep.
0: So, um,
1: I, I mean, wish been... I was a better fly fisherman.
0: Oh, that, dude. Th-
1: that way I could utilize that product. but
0: Oh, well, you know what? I, I was talking to him cause I, he was down in Florida, Last weekend, the weekend before, something like that. He went down, uh, down to Clearwater, right. uh, fly fishing. And he said he was talking to the guy and the guy just goes, I just stopped setting you up at 60 feet because you're overcasting everything.
1: Yeah, He goes, so I set yeah. him up
0: at a hundred feet. And I mean, the guy can cast it so freaking far. Yeah. And, you know, I went on a, a trip with him down there and we were fly fishing. And it's like, you know, he's shooting at a hundred feet and I'm barely making like 35.
1: Yeah. I, I've <laughs> I need have gotten- lot- I've gotten really good at roll casting, and that's about as far as I can go <laughs> with it. So, my, my fly fishing experience comes out of necessity and needing be, to be able to target fish that I can't get on conventional gear. So, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a uh, cultured fly fisherman. Oh, no,
0: nor am I. I mean, I like it, and when you right. catch fish, it sure is fun, yeah. and you can see. But man, I don't think anything frustrates me more than fly fishing because. I mean, I'll make a million great casts until I need to. And then I wrap the line around my head and the rod and catch it on the kayak and the wind blows it. You know, it's like it drives me crazy. And then here's a funny West story. We were we were at uh, Long Beach Fred Hall show and we're walking back to our hotel and he's got his fly rod and he's walking down the street of Long Beach, California, casting a fly rod at homeless people. He's like, he's a, he's, I can lay that line down right next to this, this homeless guy laying in the sidewalk, and he's oh like God. casting it down the street. It's just like,
1: I'd yeah, good laughs, a
0: uh, lot of lot of fun. I'd um,
1: be ripping people's wigs off and stuff if it were me. So you don't want me doing that type of thing. But
0: my wife says, lives loves this story.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sure she seemed to really appreciate it at the time.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, she, she, like I said, I think it just kind of uh, aged her a little bit, or. Oh, yeah. It, it was fun. And of course, she's much younger than I am. But uh, Greg Riddle says, Hey, Jim, thanks to you, Jeff Little, Torquito, and OEX San Diego. I got my 403 AC last week. Yeah, those things are awesome. That's um, a fun little motor. What's your feeling on motors on kayaks, dude?
1: Um, it's like standing on the tracks in front of a train, man. It's happening whether you like it or not. So, I. I, I will say this, um, I purchased a boat about a year ago, a little over a year ago, and from the time I purchased that boat till recently, I hadn't touched my kayak, and I felt bad about it, because I kind of, my foundation is kayak fishing, but the, it kind of hit me uh, about midsummer that I want to start doing these kayak bass fishing tournaments, and that has kind of um, injected that desire to get back in the seat of a kayak. And and I've, I've been doing the the KBF stuff here in Virginia for the past couple of months. And and yeah, as soon as I can get a a motor on that thing so I can compete properly, um, I'm, I'm all for it, man. It's, it's, you're not going to do anything about it. You know, it's, it's happening whether you like it or not. It's not, there's plenty of other more important things to worry about. So I'm, I'm all for it. I, mean, like I said,
0: don't, don't tell me how to have fun. If I put it on there and I yeah. have a good time, like I said, I still don't think they should be in tournaments personally, right. but if, if everybody's allowed to have one in the tournament, the, it's an even playing field.
1: Okay, yeah. Whatever.
0: That's, that's the tournament organizers, right. uh, prerogative. It, uh, I, but for day to day use day in a day out,
1: mm-hmm. they're fun. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're just super fun. Yeah. I mean, I experienced that, um, in the tournaments I'm fishing, uh, obviously I haven't invested in any sort of motor for it yet. So I'm still paddling, not even paddling I'm paddling, trying to compete with guys that have these motors. And you know, it does give you an advantage. I don't care what anybody says. If you can beat me to the same spot, I want to fish and you can destroy that spot before I get there, gives you an advantage, but you have to be able to accept that either you accept it or you don't fish it. And it's, that's just the way the world is right now. Um, there's not separate divisions. There, you know, everybody's in the same melting pot together. So you either accept that and fish the tournaments to do whatever you want to do, or don't. And you know, I'm sure eventually there will be a separate um, uh, division for the purists that like paddling or pedaling or whatever. But right now it's not. And uh, I'm I'm right in the same boat as everybody else. You're fishing against guys that have a motor. You just have to be able to outwit them if you can, and that's pretty much what it comes down to. So, yeah. you know, motors are here to stay. You're, you're, the cat's out of the bag on that deal. So
0: yeah, no, I said I think they're they're fun as heck. I mean, like so like you. I I have a boat. I've got the the paddle kayaks. I uh, I've got a pedal kayak. I don't particularly not a not a big fan of the pedal kayaks. Right. Uh, but I also have the blue sky. And, right. You know, and people are always like. You know, well, that's not a kayak. It's like, so what? It's fun. <laughs> it is so right. Fun to fish from
1: right, and I. it We had a demo day at Appomatics River Company back in June, and I had always looked at the Blue Sky um, in a manner in which I did not think I would ever be in one. I did not think I would ever use one for anything until I sat in one, and then it's like, dude, you are, and you're still in what KBF classifies as a kayak. So until. Until otherwise, it's a kayak right now. And you're able to fish 360 degrees. Like, if that's not an advantage, whether you're tournament fishing or not, then nothing is. So, the Blue Sky is is a killer boat. Um, I thought it kind of looked funky to begin with. You know, it's like, that's kind of a weird looking boat. But, man, I got in that thing, and the fishability is off the charts when it comes to anything else I've ever sat in. So, well, I,
0: like, like I always said, it's just like, you know, when you're in a kayak, if you want to cast, you know, this way, you're doing some kind of weird backhand yeah. cast or you turn the kayak around, you know, yeah. now it's just like, oh, I can turn in my little pivot seat. It, yeah. It's it is just so fun to fish from.
1: It was, it was wild, man. And like, I, I wasn't even fishing at the time. I just got in it just to check it out. I'm like, man, I can't leave this without at least getting in one before I, you know, I dismiss it. And I got in it and I'm like, dude. If I'm going to do this kayak bass fishing stuff, I need to be in this thing because it, it, it is tenfold better than sitting in a kayak seat and having to paddle or whatever and reposition yourself. It, it, and you have that entire deck you can walk around on. You have tons of storage space, which is something that I'm kind of dealing with now from going from the kayak to the John boat back to the kayak. I can't bring as much stuff. It's like, okay. But having that whole platform and those those tanks to store stuff, I mean you got plenty of room. So if if you're on the motor,
0: put them you wanna you wanna really love it? Yeah, put a motor on it. Yeah, put the e drive or put a like a torquedo on the back of it.
1: Right. And just like uh, Drew Gregory won 20 G's in it like two years ago, something like, like he came in second place in the national championship. So it's proven. Like I said, do I as a kayak Paddling purist, do I think it's kayak? Probably no, not. It's not. But okay, it's not. But it's still legal. So either cry about it and be upset the whole time, or get in one and enjoy it and take advantage of it while you can. That's the route that I'm going, and I'll probably buy one, and then it'll get outlawed, and whatever down the road to <laughs> go. But either way. Well, have you,
0: you seen mine with the dual torpedoes on it?
1: Yes, I'm very jealous. That thing looks sick. But, you know. <laughs> it's,
0: it's, it's pretty silly.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's 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 wild. I mean, at that point, it's a skiff of some point. as uh, some, you know, it's like a, a solo skiff type. It's it's hard to when you're dealing with plastic boats and then fiberglass. Like the liveboard is not a plastic boat, but still a paddleboard, and that blue sky isn't too far off in appearance from what the live board kind of looks like. So it's just a big conglomerate of like, what are these things? And nobody can really figure it out, but people spend way too much time worrying about it instead of just fishing. So.
0: Right. Exactly. It's like, that. don't tell me how to have fun. Just go out there and go fish and have fun. Right. Uh, Gene Wilson said, great story. And I'm assuming that's about Liz.
1: Uh,
0: Dave Thomas said, great guest today, Jim, good stories and conversation. Uh, Thanks, Dave. Um, Chris Castro, why do you think it's heading that way, whether we like it or not?
1: Um, I think it's a lot like Tesla, right? Yeah. You have Tesla cars. Um, eventually everything's going to be electric, whether it's 200 years from now or whether it's, you know, 20 years from now. Vehicles are moving towards electric. You're you're never going to do away with it. It's happening eventually. It's the same deal. You have these people that have purchased this thing and love it, and obviously there's influence from sponsorship and all that stuff. We can get into that. You know, that's a whole other deal. But you have these guys that are fishing it, and it's an overall big chunk of these people fishing that really enjoy it. And once you get to that point, you're you're not going to be able to turn the tide in reverse. It's just not going to happen. Like I said, it's, is it kayak fishing to a purist? No, you're using a motor, but can these tournaments and just everything in general get to a point where we can maybe have a separate division where you have purists, you have motor guys, then yes. But it's just one of those deals, man. It's time goes on and life goes on and things change. And, you know, we're not paddling dugout canoes anymore either. I mean, our boats are made out of freaking polyethylene or whatever plastic. You know, go back 20 years ago or 30 years ago, guys were using fiberglass whitewater stuff. It's crazy. I mean, innovation innovation happens. We don't all have to like it. We don't all have to want it to happen, but it's going to happen. It's right. pretty much where we're at with it.
0: My buddy Ulf in Sweden says, "Y'all want to have a boat, don't ya?" We both have boats, Ulf. <laughs> you I think the truth is Ulf, you want a kayak.
1: All I want is his sick name. That that, that Yeah, that, that dude has, has a pretty legit name. But man, <laughs> I, all I want is to catch fish at the end of the day. That's all I care about. I spend, I would say, 75% of my income doing it. I spend almost 100% of my time thinking about it. All I want to do is catch fish. I'm going to put myself in whatever gets me the best odds of catching the fish that i'm out to catch whether it's a boat which i've used for last year whether it's a kayak that i've been in for going on 10 years now or whether it's a kayak that i can put a motor on and do that stuff it's you know people really care too much you need to spend i I, i'm a firm believer if you spend more time caring about the fish you're trying to catch instead of how you're catching it you will be a more successful fisherman but yeah i mean i'm not
0: I said, I mean, you got your purest fly guys who only want to catch a fish with a fly. You got your purest lure guys and then you got, you know, bait guys. And it's like, you know, I want to use whatever a fish is going to eat. (laughs) You know, it's like I I, sure I would I would rather catch a fish on top water than any other way. But if that's not working, I will be more than happy to throw anything out there just to have the ability to pull on a fish.
1: And you know what? It is perfectly okay to have whatever opinion you have on the subject. If if you think that kayaks should only be paddle-driven and they should only be a certain way and motors shouldn't exist, that's perfectly fine. This is a free country. It's the best part about America. You can do whatever you want to do. But that doesn't get away from the fact that things are happening whether you like it or not. So it's, that's just the way to look at it. Just enjoy your time on the water, regardless of how you get there.
0: Amen, brother. Hey, you know what? Our What's hour that? has flown by. Can you believe that? It's already been an hour, even though Crazy. you were a few late, but well, you
1: know, it's, <laughs> I, I can't break tradition, man. I can't break. tradition.
0: <laughs> so uh, with that, Josh, if people want to uh, follow you, I know you have your, Instagram, uh, have rods, underscore, underscore, will travel.
1: Yeah. Somebody beat me to the uh, single underscore deal. So two underscores. <laughs> but um, that's where I, I provide the majority of my content, uh, whether it's, you know, keeping people up to date with trips or, or just fish pictures, whatever. That's the majority of it. Uh, I am still filming stuff. and I am stockpiling stuff for my YouTube channel, but I'm one of those guys that I don't want to move forward with it until I feel like everything is the way it should be. So I have four years of footage backed up, ready to go. I just got to get off my tail and get to editing, which is super time consuming. But I
0: anyway, uh, here you anyway. Uh, well, anyway, Josh, I really appreciate you coming on here. Um, Absolutely. It, it was a lot of laughs and a lot of great stories. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I'm sure everybody enjoyed it. Um, I'll be uh, chatting with you again soon. We know we'll try and figure out how we can get out there, go chase after those uh, snakehead with you. Hey, uh, door's always open, man, whenever you're ready. All right, man, you take care. Thanks for having me. All right, well, everybody, thank you so much for uh, joining us. That was a really fun interview with Josh. I said, super fun guy to fish with and a very, very good angler. Um, Remember, the show was brought to you by Ballast Point Brewing Company. And if you are going out on the water this week, please remember, to wear your PFD, be safe out there. You know, it's gonna be holiday weekend, a crowded weekend. So make sure you're wearing your PFD, take all the necessary precautions and keep your paddle right side up. You take care now.